Welcome to the Good Growing Podcast. I am Chris Enroth, horticulture educator with the University of Illinois Extension, coming at you from a melting and warm Macomb, Illinois. So after weeks below 20 degrees, that was our high many days, uh, we have the sunshine, it's 50 degrees, it's beautiful, it feels like summertime. And we have a special show for you today, folks. Our guest today is going to be Jennifer Fishburne, horticulture educator. We're going to be talking about bees and beekeeping, uh, but we can't get started without introducing our hosts here every single week. We have Katie Parker, local foods educator in Adams County. Hello, Katie. Hey, Chris. Have you been outside yet today? I have. I have. I've switched to like two different pairs of shoes already, all the mud and muck that's oh, really? <laughs> everywhere. Have you been out there yet? Oh, yeah. It's super nice out. Did you switch uh, into shorts too? Yeah. I, if the camera could pan down, you would see. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, in this, I'm in my jean shorts right now. Next thing you know, we'll be swimming this weekend. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The pool should be opening up any time right. right now. And the place where I know the pool is opening up probably already because they love that polar plunge is at the Johnson household. So Ken Johnson, horticulture educator in Jacksonville. Hey, Ken. Hello. If, if we had a pool, it'd be open, but I will never live in a house that has a pool because I don't want to take care of it. <laughs> That's so much work. I, I grew up at the house in a pool and my parents said never again. And I learned that lesson with them. So, And I oh, can't yeah. swim, so <laughs> there's no motivation. Well, Ken, let's go out on a boat and I'll teach you. <laughs> there's always a first time. So we have a very uh, special show for you folks. Uh, we're going to be talking about bees and beekeeping. And I've never kept bees. Ken, Katie, have you been keepers of bees? Nope. I've sat nope. through classes, but never done it. Well, our special guest today, we, let's introduce her. We have Jennifer Fishburne, horticulture educator. Uh, Jennifer, you're in uh, Sangamon County, but you also serve uh, more counties than that. Where, where are you located at? Our, our main office is in Springfield, so in Sagamon County. I also serve uh, Logan and Menard counties. And, and so Jennifer is a returning guest, and so thank you for being on the show today. Uh, but we are going to be talking bees and beekeeping. So I must begin, Jennifer, uh, do you keep bees uh, in your neck of the woods? I do have hives. I have kept hives on and off for the last seven years. I do consider myself a beginning beekeeper still because uh, my success rate is not as good as it should be. But, but I think that's important for everybody to know. It, everybody could keep bees, but it is a hobby, but it's just like taking care of any other animal or livestock. You do need to tend to them. You do need to pay attention to them every week. And if you don't have that amount of time, you're, you're not going to be as successful as you hope to be. You can keep bees, you just might not be as successful as you want to be. So I, I know you have kids. Uh, would you equate beekeeping with like raising children? Do these bees have attitudes? Like what, so what, what's the experience like for you to do it? Um, it's, they are just like all of us. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you go out to a beehive on a cloudy day that's kind of cool and windy, um, and you open up your beehive, this, they're not going to greet you um, with a warm welcome. Um, but if you go out on a nice sunny day, you know, it's 80 degrees outside, um, they're out foraging in the afternoon for honey or for um, nectar and pollen. Um, they're not, they're not going to mind that you're there. But if you, you try to greet them on a rainy, cloudy day, uh, they're going to let you know about mm -hmm. it. So, so yes, they, they can be a little temperamental in that, in that regard. But it's just, again, understanding the animal, um, in this case, an insect, understanding them and, 
and understanding uh, the conditions that they like, that they enjoy, they prefer. Hmm. How, how have your bees fared this winter with this uh, prolonged plunge in the cold weather? Well, unfortunately, uh, my bees didn't even make it into December, which uh, was probably more the beekeeper than the bees. Uh, not sure why they did have an ample honey store in the hive body, but that doesn't always mean success. Uh, for one reason or another, um, they, they may not have been able to find the food that they needed to, uh, but my hives didn't make it very long. Uh, but a successful beekeeper uh, probably still has bees right now. Um, <laughs> and, and the thing that, that, that beekeepers are doing at this time of the year is actually still feeding their bees. Because on days like today, where it's warmed up to above 40 degrees or thereabouts, uh, they will go out and they will take cleansing flights. So they're actually using up energy when they do that. Um, they will not go to the bathroom, so they will not poop in their hives. They do that uh, on days like today where they can get out and they will take cleansing flights and kind of clean their hive up a little bit. Um, so they are, they are using some of those, those stores of food, particularly at this time of year when the, the temperatures are warming up and they can get in and out a little bit better. It sounds like plants just grow a new hive. You know, that's, that's the gardener's tale there. Yes. One dies, grow another one. <laughs> Beekeeping seems like such a dream to so many gardeners and farmers that they, um, something they want to do. Why did people start keeping bees and what's the point of it? Um, to get honey. Uh, that's one reason why people do it. Uh, I started it actually to have pollinators on my, my own property. I, we, my husband and I actually have 33 acres. Uh, we have a small garden, but uh, we wanted to do something that we thought might be somewhat helpful um, and encourage us to, to plant more pollinating plants. And, the, and beekeeping does that. Um, certainly not for everyone, um, but it's a hobby. And with a hobby, comes investments and also comes a lot of time. So somebody that lives in town wants to start a beehive. Is that something that, that can be done? It is something that can be done. You'll need to check your local ordinances. Each municipality is different and what they will permit and how many hives they will permit. Not all will permit hives, but some will. But it's definitely um, worth that phone call to find out what would be permissible and what is allowed. And then that uh, keeping bees in town does bring a, another set of challenges along with it besides keeping your bees alive. It also brings along the challenge of good communication, talking to your neighbors, um, those that are around you, making sure that they understand what you're doing and why you're doing it, but also um, to find out if, if they would have a severe allergic reaction. Everyone is quote allergic to bees because when we get stung, um, we swell up. That's a type of reaction. Uh, when it's severe is when someone can no longer breathe. That's, that's pretty significant. So we need to know that. And, you know, do keep in mind, your bees aren't going to just stay in your yard or the neighbor's yard. They can fly up to two miles or more. So they do have a pretty good range. And I'm not suggesting that you contact everyone within that range, but do, but do contact your your neighbors that particularly border your property. In addition, if your neighbors do have that swimming pool, you'll wanna to talk to them as well about making sure that the pH in that pool stays as it should. Bees won't drink out of uh, a pool if the, if the pH is correct to what it should be. Um, so, and also then in addition to that, 
for all beekeepers is making sure that you provide a water source for your bees that's within a close proximity of the hive. So Jennifer, if I am just starting out, is there like a time of year where I need to begin or can I just start whenever I feel like it, building a hive and getting bees going? Well, and it depends on what you mean by start. So starting right now is a great time to start doing your research and learning more about bees and finding those videos and those books. Um, this book right here called First Lessons in Beekeeping is the book that we use for the classes that we teach here at our extension office. Um, so it's a great tool for folks to read through and learn a little bit more, but this is not going to teach you everything you need to know by any means. Um, so I would also recommend that folks take a look at the Illinois State Beekeepers Association website and see if any groups nearby are offering a beekeeping class. Many of those are going virtual this year, so there can be that opportunity as well. I would suggest though, making sure that you're um, attending a beekeeping class that was in, within your quote hardiness zone or nearby or within a, within a specific, you know, a short geographic area of where you live. Um, obviously, a beekeepers group in Southern Illinois, teaching to somebody that lives in Northern Illinois, the timing of things is going to be a little bit different, just like with uh, plants it would be. Um, but it's a, it's a great time to look for those opportunities. What that will also help people do is understand what types of investments and time they'll need to make. Um, and that's pretty critical um, to the whole process of keeping bees. But now is a great time to start that. And then if they were to keep bees, they're looking at late March, April timeframe. Um, if they wanna purchase package bees, and then you can go later into the year if you're purchasing a nuke. So it just depends on what you prefer to purchase. What about equipment? What do we need to set up a hive? And then is there anything that we need to have to keep us from getting stung? <laughs> so yes, a hive has multiple parts to it. I will try to show you a few of those. So I'm going to reach back behind me here and grab a few pieces. Um, every hive is going to start with a board that looks like this. It's called the hive, uh, the bottom board for that hive. And by the way, when I'm talking about hives, I'm talking about a 10 frame hive. Um, that's what many uh, beekeepers in Illinois use. Um, so this would be what a bottom board would look like. And then on top of that, we'll have two boxes that look like this. Um, these are hive bodies. So you'll have two of these. And inside of each of those, that's a nine and eight inch. Um, inside of each of those, you'll have 10 of these frames that look something like this. And this foundation, this is plastic so this is actually plastic. Some beekeepers prefer to use a wax foundation and you can do that as well. Um, and then there's also a black plastocell mm. that you can use as well. Um, so they're not all gonna look identical, but that's what a frame would be. And there'll be 10 of those again in each one of those high bodies. And then once your bees get going and super active and having lots of babies. You'll put a queen excluder on top of this. Most beekeepers use these, not all. This keeps the queen in the bottom two hive bodies. 
And then this goes between your high bodies and your supers. And a super looks just like the high body, only it's shallower. It's only six and three eighths inch deep. And then inside of that, we'll have 10 more of these frames. On top of that, we'll have an inner cover. And on top of that, you'll have an outer cover. So that's for the bee's house, so to speak, for the colony to live in. Then for, yes, go ahead. Do you think that that's something easy enough that you could build yourself or is it best to maybe order that? So that's a good question. You actually, when you order, have two options. You can purchase unassembled, where this would come as five pieces, the plastocell, and then each of these pieces would be a separate piece and you quote, assemble your own. You're not actually making it, but you're assembling it. Same thing with the high bodies and the bottom boards and the top covers possibly could come unassembled and that will save a little bit of money. Um, or you can purchase everything assembled where it comes just like this. If you were, I'd say an expert uh, person at woodworking, I would say you could probably try your own, but if you're not an expert, it's it would be a daunting task to, to do all that. Um, so I would suggest uh, if you're looking to save money, go with the unassembled um, hives. So from there, a beekeeper might want to purchase um, some gloves. And these go up, not quite to your elbow. Um, leather on the bottom, ventilated, and then cloth. And these primarily are just keeping you from getting stung or getting propolis and um, other things on your hands. Uh, expert beekeepers I know just wear a cheap and expensive pair of, of uh, vinyl gloves, disposable ones. Uh, I prefer to keep myself very well protected. Um, most people already have it, but I wear a long sleeve shirt, obviously jeans and, and decent work shoes. And then every beekeeper, no matter if they're experienced or not, every beekeeper needs a veil. So this is a veil. You can also get jackets and suits as well, but at the minimum, you have to have a veil. You do not want to get stung in the face or your eyes. Um, that's not, not a good thing. So we always recommend having a veil. In addition to that, you'll have a smoker um, that helps keep the bees a little bit friendlier when you're out working them, um, calms them down a bit before you start to work in them. So everything I've mentioned so far for two, uh, to do two hives, uh, the equipment would be around $600 for the, the cost of that. And you mentioned how not to get stung. If you're going to be a beekeeper, you will get stung. It's just a matter of when. Um, my most exciting experience with my bees was not getting my veil on properly and leaving my hair sticking out and some bees decided to crawl up my hair underneath my veil because I didn't get it tight enough and up into my hair. <laughs> that was a little exciting, let's just say. Um, so at some point you may misstep make a bee angry, squish a bee in the hive, which then gets the other bees excited and they wanna defend their hive. So 
it's not a matter of when or if, but a matter of when you will get stung. So uh, there are things that you can do to minimize, as I mentioned, the veil, the gloves, wearing long sleeves, you know, long pants to minimize that. Um, but it'll happen at some point. You'll either get careless or the bees will get a little bit too excited. So for the, the equipment, I've heard some beekeepers talk about, they kind of stick to one company because there's slight differences between all the different ones. So if you get, you know, your, your bodies from one company, the frames don't quite fit quite right. Have you experienced that? I haven't personally experienced it, but as you mentioned, I purchased everything from a, one company. So I, I haven't experienced that. So probably yes, with your high bodies and your supers, you'd want to make sure that they match um, and purchase that from one place. But as far as your protective gear um, or anything that you might need for harvesting, that obviously could come from anywhere from a different source. And then for, for bees, is it true it starts smelling like bananas when they get angry? <laughs> well, uh, one of the things that you, there are a few simple rules for beekeepers uh, when you go to work a hive. And one of those is do not wear excessive perfumes. Be careful of what you're using to wash your hair with the night before that it's not, doesn't have a fragrance to it. Um, and also not, not to eat bananas before you work your hives. That gets them defensive. For My son did that. I, we were at a, like a fall festival. He was eating a banana and this honeybee just went right in his neck and stung him. And I'm just like, you know, I'm trying to teach them bees are nice. They're not as aggressive. And then boom, he gets hit. So, <laughs> I, and, I, and I think that brings up another good point. And for, for most cases in your son's case, it may have been in the banana that excited the bee, or it could have been that your son was in the flight pattern. Now, normally they wouldn't sting. They'd run into you, mm -hmm. but bees take a flight of a flight pattern. So when they leave the hive and they go to where their destination is to the flower, or whatever their or water source, when they fly back, they take the exact same path back. So if you step into the way of their flight path, they will run into you. Usually, normally it's not to sting you, it's just because you're in their way. Mm -hmm. um, but the other thing for, for gardeners to note is with, with any kind of pollinating insect, um, work, your, work in your gardens when it's sun shining out um, that they tend to be happier and they won't bother you as much. Um, do pay attention to where any of the pollinating insects might be um, and don't make quick movements. Um, for bees in particular, the only time they really want to sting you is to defend in defense of their hive or in mm -hmm. defense of themselves. They know that they're going to die when they sting you. That, that's it, life's over. Um, so they don't want to take that last measure unless they have to. And you had also mentioned a nook, Jennifer. What what is that? It's a it's a basically the best way to describe it for folks is it's a small beehive. So it's a, it's an already somewhat it's not established, but it's a newer hive. Um, whereas most folks will pack buy what we call a package. Um, so they'll get a box like this with a little cage for the queen. Mm -hmm. so it'll be inside of here and hanging inside of this cage with a can of syrup water, um, sugar, sugar water, I should say, um, stuck inside there. And that's what we call a package. So that's um, a not yet established group of bees. Um, the bees that are in this package didn't come from this queen, the queen that's in this. 
um, but they will take care of her. And then as she, uh, and normally this is sold as a mated queen. So she's ready to start laying eggs as soon as you put her inside of your new hive. Um, and this is what most people will purchase uh, because they're cheaper. So these typically right now, I think are running around $135 on up, depending on how many pounds of bees you get and where you're purchasing from. So if I get a hive up established, I get my package, deposited it in my newly built frames and everything. What do I need to have outside the hive? Are they gonna find what they need or do I need to provide stuff for them, flowers and such? So to get your hive, uh, once you purchase a package to get them going, we put um, these inside of the hive in an, in an extra uh, empty hive body. And this inside of here is sugar water syrup, we call it. Um, it. It depends on the time of year as to what percentage. Usually when you're starting a new package, it's uh, equal amounts of water to equal amounts of sugar that's been melted in here. Um, and they will sip hmm. that out just like they would nectar. Um, and that's placed inside the hive to get them going. Now that doesn't stay in there all summer. It stays in there for a couple of weeks. And then in the winter time, we've, we, don't, we can't feed them the syrup as in the bottle because it would freeze. So we actually make um, sugar bricks as we would call them. Depends on who you are as to how you, how you do that. Um, and those go inside the hive as well to keep um, for supplemental feed, feeding. Also a lot of beekeepers will do protein patties to get them started and then at various times throughout the year um, as well. And then water source is very important. Having somewhere like a shallow pan with some rocks in it that they can land in and drink water from is important as well. They can fly to their water source, but the closer you keep it, the less, uh, they, they don't wear out their wings as quickly going to get water and get it closer. How do you harvest the honey? And is harvesting the honey bad for the bees? Harvesting is not bad for the bees, but you do need to make sure that um, the bees come first, in my opinion. Uh, so example, I had a new hive this year. Uh, I didn't get any honey in the honey supers, but the hive bodies were full of honey going into winter. So that, that's a source of food for them. Uh, when your hive bodies, when they fill those and they get fairly well established is when you would add supers, we call them to it, the smaller um, boxes and that's where they'll store that extra reserve and harvesting that if you're doing it correctly um, will will not bother the bees at all and will not be of harm to them uh, but that does bring up more money uh, <laughs> so uh, when you uh, get ready to harvest your honey uh, in addition to all the equipment we've already mentioned you will also need an extractor and those can run several hundred dollars. So that's why I really encourage anybody interested in beekeeping to find a local beekeeping club if you can um, and, and start working with them and learning from those folks. But also several bee, uh, beekeeping associations throughout the state of Illinois have their own extractors of which they let club members borrow those um, because that is a pricey item. In addition to that, you'll need uh, food grade buckets to put the honey in, you'll need sieves to filter out any small particles of wax. And then you'll need containers and labels to put your honey in as well. So we, we, just, we just accumulated another 
200 to $1,000 or more there, depending on how much of that you purchase for yourself. So this is no small hobby. <laughs> Some money into this, yeah. Exactly. Um, this is not a budget hobby. Let's mm -hmm. let's put it that way. Um, so you know, I don't I don't want to ever discourage anyone from keeping bees, but if you're doing it because you want to help pollinators, uh, in my opinion, I would take that money and put it into plant material to put into my yard. Um, and put in a sequence of things that will bloom. So have something blooming in your, in, your, in your yard from March through October or work with your neighbors to make sure you have something blooming March through October. And that really is the biggest benefit you can do for any pollinator is having something for a food source for them. Definitely. Well, Jennifer, we are also a question and answer show. And so we do have a few questions that have come in to uh, extension offices and the social, social medias. Uh, throughout uh, Illinois here. So if you wouldn't mind helping us answer these questions, please. Okay. All right. I think, Ken, we have you up for kicking off this week's questions. All right. Our first question comes from Mason County. Um, they have some CRP as part of their farm near Havana and would like to set up some beehives to harvest honey. Uh, the CRP is mostly grasses uh, and they have very sandy soil. Do they need to have special flowers? So CRP is short for Conservation Reserve Program, and in Illinois in particular, the pollinator um, part of that program is, is grown in the last several years. Uh, grasses probably might provide, it depends on the grass, may provide a little benefit to the, to the bees, but you really do want forbs and you want something blooming all season long. Some of the pollinator mixes for CRP um, do allow for things blooming more maybe May through October, um, but misses that little bit of that early season. So I would suggest that they supplement that or find out what's going to be flowering nearby. So if you, example in the spring, if you have black locusts in your area, that's a good source for um, food source for bees, but find out what, what's going to be blooming when and making sure you have something blooming all year long that they can visit. So it could be a start, but they're gonna need a, a, depending on how many acres they have in it, they're really gonna need to supplement that with some Forbes. Mm -hmm. I, I, like you said, Jennifer, they've really expanded pollinator support for uh, CRP this last year. I, I think the window for applying for additional, like you can apply for money for that. I think that window's closed now, they did extend it, but I, I have to look it up, but um, we'll double check that and post that in the in the show notes. But definitely contact your local NRCS office, uh, see what they have maybe next year. Exactly. And for folks already in the program, that's usually a ten year contract. So you know if you're if you're nearing a re, re enrollment or a renewal of of your contract, um, be looking into these pollinator uh, different mixes because there's different levels of, at which you can put those in. Hmm. So our next question comes from Knox County and they're asking, we don't want to mow between our grapevines. If we plant micro clover, would that be a good option for the bees? I'm not familiar with micro clover, but I can attest to the fact that Dutch white clover is a huge um, magnet for the pollinators. Uh, that's usually most of what my yard is made of, not intentionally. Um, <laughs> 
but uh, it, it really is a magnet for all pollinators, including the honeybees. So they might look at, uh, I'm not, exactly, I'm not positive on the micro clover. Yes, and I agree with the, the white clover go out and in our backyard and like the ground is moving with all of the, the bees and stuff. And you don't want to walk out barefoot yeah. <laughs> while that's blooming. Wouldn't recommend that. Uh, so our next question is from social media. Uh, we would like to have bees, uh, but are worried about colony collapse disorder wiping out our hive. What do we need to do to keep our bees healthy? Well, again, it goes back to um, starting off that foundation correctly by getting to know other beekeepers, talking to them, asking them how they manage their hives. Management of the hive is very, very important. Uh, for me in particular, it's either been varroa mite or hive beetle. That's probably been um, the hardest on my colonies. So it's not just colony collapse disorder, which in some cases can kind of be a generic term. There are many, many factors that affect um, the health of a hive. So keeping your hive healthy uh, is the most important thing. And that comes with weekly inspections of your hive and making sure that um, your, the eggs are growing properly and that you're not seeing the hive beetles and, and doing a lot of monitoring. That, that's the essential part of it. And I would have to say, I don't think you're going to meet a beekeeper anywhere who hasn't lost a, a colony at some point. Um, there are so many reasons why you might lose a colony. Um, that's for another show, but um, you, will lose, you will lose a hive at some point. I, I hate to say that, but that's true. <laughs> so our next question comes from social media. We are getting two beehives this year, but our backyard is full sun. Where should we set our hives and do we need to put them in the shade? Uh, full sun. Full sun is the best place to put your beehives. Most beekeepers will orient their hives to be south facing or southeast or east facing. Um, the other important thing when placing a new hive is to give it a slight tilt. So if you have a little bit of a hill or you can tilt that hive just a little bit, you want the, the slope of the front of the bottom board to be just appointed just a little bit downward. Uh, that helps water from flowing into the hive when it rains and such, but um, tilt that hive just a little bit. And for anyone keeping bees, they would probably know this, but you don't place your hive directly on the ground. You're putting um, like four by fours or, or concrete blocks underneath that to, to move that hive up off the ground a little bit. All right, and our last question also comes from social media. Uh, we saw the flow hive where the beekeepers cracked the honeycomb to release the honey. Uh, I read online it was not good for the bees. Should they stick with traditional hives? I think the majority of beekeepers, at least in Illinois, would tell you to stick with traditional hives. Um, we have not, I, we being most of the beekeepers around here, haven't even looked into the flow hives. Um, it's a different type of system and, you know, people like to do what they know, but uh, we have really good success with what we call a traditional hive that we've already mentioned. So, and, and the flow hives are, are also a pretty steep investment. So I'd probably stick with traditional. Well, that was a lot of fantastic information on bees and beekeeping. Jennifer Fishburne, horticulture educator, U of I Extension. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for asking me. Appreciate it. Well, we are produced by Wendy Ferguson and edited by me, Chris Enroth. 
Special thanks goes to Katie Parker and Ken Johnson for being with us every single week to take us through the topic of our choosing here. And this is just so happens to be bees. So thanks, Ken and Katie. Yeah, thank you, Jennifer. It's great to have you. And thank, thank you, Chris and Ken. Thank you for showing up. And and thank you, Katie and Chris. And let's do this again next week. Oh, we shall do this again next week. We're going to be talking with Dwayne Friend about cover crops and soil organic matter. So we're getting ready for our gardening a good show to catch so listeners thank you for doing what you do best and that is listening or if you're watching us on youtube watching and as always keep on growing